What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Orange is the New Black uh, Bengals podcast for diehard fans. I'm your host, Ace Boogie. I've got my co-host, Zim Hude. Zim, what's going on? Nothing much on this fine day. Just trying to make a make all sense of this Bengal Nation mania that we're living in right now. Definitely some mania that we're living in. Um, first things first, definitely be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Um, if you're listening to this on YouTube, definitely be sure to find our podcast um, and anywhere that you get your podcast from under the name Cincy Jungle, uh, be sure to subscribe so you automatically get these episodes, and it helps us out. And also, we're going to be dropping it there first. So if you're listening to this on YouTube, you're probably getting it a day or two later. But if you want to be a part of the Who Day Nation, the part of the diehards that are fans of the show, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Um, some other news is that Chase Young, it was just announced hours ago, today is Friday, um, it was just announced hours ago that Chase Young has been suspended indefinitely uh, from the Ohio State University. It seems as if um, it's something pertaining to improper benefits where he received a loan from a friend of the family. Not sure how uh, that really affects his draft stock. I'm sure we'll touch on that. Uh, we also, uh, when we last talked to you, you said that we would touch on Ryan Finley and what our thoughts are of him, as well as some of the comments from Carson Palmer. So kicking things off, I guess we can start with Ryan Finley. Um, listeners of the show, we appreciate your comments. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at New Stripe City on Twitter. Zim is at Zim Hude on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow Zim on Instagram at Zim underscore Hude. You can follow me on YouTube at New Stripe City. Um, but let's get into Ryan Finley. You guys know that we haven't been the biggest Ryan Finley fans, uh, but, you know, he is the starting quarterback. He did have a decent preseason. And the reason why we don't feel like uh, – well, I'll speak for myself. The reason why I don't feel like Ryan Finley is the guy is because he's very similar to Andy Dalton. He's a guy that's very accurate um, in the short and inter intermediate field, but he struggles with the deep pass. Um, he lacks that aspect of his game. He's more of a game manager, in my opinion. He's not going to be a game changer that the Bengals desperately need at the quarterback position. But with that being said, he still does worry me because he did seem to illustrate some skill within the preseason after having kind of a strange training camp where there were people saying that Jake Dolgala would, you know, essentially unseat him as the backup, and then he kind of turned it on during the preseason. Uh, another thing that kind of scares me about him as well is that 
he was one of the only quarterbacks that uh, came to visit the Bengals that Zach was interested in. So he also has that going in his favor that he was handpicked by Zach Taylor and essentially, quote-unquote, kind of his guy uh, to be able to take over the reins at quarterback. So uh, with eight games to go, this does present us with having to talk about Ryan Finley um, and how we see them. Uh, I kind of gave a little bit of an explanation of how I kind of see him. Zim, how do you view Ryan Finley? Oh, I review um, – oh, I'm sorry. I view Ryan Finley pretty much in the same light as uh, Andy Dalton, like you were saying. I'm an NC State alumni, so I've seen Ryan Finley a lot in college. A lot of questions that were posed to me um, uh, pertaining to Ryan Finley that I get a lot, and I want to answer now, is that people are saying – well, Zim, what if he's what if he's like a diamond in the rough and he's the next Drew Brees? And I know he doesn't have the strongest arm and all these different things. Here's my answer to that. Ryan Finley is 24 years old, so he's already behind the eight ball. In the history of the NFL, there have been very few quarterbacks that are four-year starters or whatever, and they go to the NFL and, and, and see more upside. Pretty much what Ryan Finley, to me, is what you see is what you get. I think he has time to hone in on his craft. He'll be a lot better maybe in the NFL. Who knows? But you pretty much have seen at that age, at the age that he's at, a lot of what I think he's, his, what, it, what his range really is. Furthermore, the upside of a quarterback coming in 20, 21 years old out of the, you know, out of the college rankings that has a lot more upside, more mobile, and has a stronger arm just is a better gamble for me. None, nothing is sure. So a lot of people say, well, what if two is a bust? What if girl is a bust? What, you know, the same thing that they were saying with Baker Mayfield. Yeah, he could be a bust, but I like my odds. If I'm a betting man, I'm going to take a guy that's doing really, really, really well at a very, very young age, and I can groom him a lot more versus a 24-year-old that um, that I feel like is pretty much, I wouldn't say Pete, but reached a lot of his already potential. Also, think about this. If Ryan Finley, this is another angle that I just love too, if Ryan Finley is good like your Sammy is or elite or whatever, the guys that want Chase Young, because what you were talking about earlier with Chase Young, um, uh, him taking money, it, it's not going to hurt his draft, his draft stock to me when he uh, comes to the draft coming up this year. But say he he's not going to get past number three. Um, the, if Ryan Finley wins, let's say, four games, you're already out of the position of taking Chase Young. So the number one argument that we get um, um, after we posted our last podcast, number 18, is that Orange is the New Black uh, podcast, thank you for listening, is that, oh, okay, well, if Ryan Finley's good, then we could go get Chase Young and we already got our quarterback. You won't even have the ability to get Chase Young. So what you'll be looking at is possibly another tackle, but the one tackle that's really, really lit, the guy from Georgia, I think, Thomas, he might be gone too. And like that five range, four or five range, whatever. So you're playing yourself out of elite talent and you're taking something less and you're doing it with a 24-year-old quarterback. So that's the perspective on on Ryan Finley. I don't know if you guys gamble. It's just not a good bet. Even if he does play well, I feel like it's fool's goal and it's uh, Minshew 2.0. Yeah, I think uh, you hit on a number of topics there. I think that there's a ceiling when it comes to Ryan Finley. Uh, Is he an adequate quarterback? Uh, Yeah, but he's not going to be a guy that raises the level of play uh, around him, similar to Andy Dalton. Now, one thing that I did notice uh, during the preseason in regards to a comparison between uh, Finley and Dalton is one thing I noticed is that he moved better uh, in the pocket 
than Andy Dalton did, which was kind of weird to me because sure. he kind of played with the ones with that same bad offensive line and seemed to evade the pressure in a better in a better manner. So I Absolutely. think those those are things that I'm going to be looking at going into the Ravens game, um, seeing what he can do there. And I think that it it uh, bodes well for for him from a pass rush standpoint because the Ravens, although they kind of got to Tom Brady and stuff like that, I don't think that they're the best pass rushing team in the NFL. It's been one of their biggest weaknesses uh, for them this season. So I think that that bodes well for him. But like Zim says, they will send the blitz at him, and we'll have to see how he responds to that pressure. Think about it. It, it, You just hit on it. If they're blitzing Tom Brady over 56% of the snaps, what do you think they're going to do to Ryan Finley? But I like the fact that you said that Ryan Finley's pocket awareness is good. Coming out of college, Dalton was about the same too. But what happens when you have a bad line and all these other things and a guy gets gunned, uh, a shell shot, what I call, then then, then the awareness kind of like drifts away like throughout the years. So I feel like they're almost like the same guy. It's just like early on, yeah, Ryan Finley might come in there super fearless because he ain't been getting hit for nine years too. Right. Right, yeah, so in terms of Finley, I just hope that he doesn't do enough to, and it sucks to say it, but I don't want I don't want him to jeopardize that number one pick because at the end of the day, I don't think that he can give us that arm that we so desperately need, especially when you want to pair that arm with the weapons of a John Ross. Like, let's go in, let's go and get a guy that actually has an arm that can utilize John Ross and some of our deep threats uh, in that nature, so. Um, a lot of people. Of, I, I just, I just want to say one more thing. A lot of people. I made the joke and I made a post on my Instagram too, and I was and I tagged Ace in it. And I just feel like there's a lot of people that are Dalton enthusiasts or Dalton lovers. DLs, downloads. Um, they're pretty much trying to grab onto this Chase Young um, uh, train because they really don't like the fact that Dalton is not the starter anymore. So they're gravitating to anything that they can think of. Even if it sounds so silly, it's so uh, against the grain, like don't get a quarterback at the number one. That sounds silly to us. But let's say you're a guy that's thinking, yeah, I want Chase Young. Like I just said, say that uh, Finley does really well and he wins four games, four out of eight. You're not going to get Chase Young. And I think that's very important to know. So you're really putting your franchise behind the eight ball. You're relying on an older rookie coming into there with a weak arm and then you're placing yourself out of elite. Like, there's no reason. If, I'm not going to tell anyone how to be a fan, right? I, I love you for being a fan of the Bengals. You could cheer for them to win every game. I'm not going to cheer for them to win every game right now. From my perspective, it doesn't make any sense why you would even want him to win games. Him, him looking good, sure. But if he wins games, it takes you out of this elite thing, and you know and you're a real Bengals fan, you know that the front office isn't going to spend any money in free agency at all. So you absolutely are relying on the draft to do everything. The reason why me and Ace are so adamant about being a number one, number two pick is because we lost all hope in the front office. And if Ryan Philly does well, you're not going to get the defensive guy that you think you're going to get, you dog lovers that are trying to cling on to a defensive specialist to say that that guy's going to win the Super Bowl, so you, you lose me in that argument, and then you're relying on this guy that you're saying, like, that's the quarterback now, and then you're going to just draft somebody randomly that's not elite, 
at that spot, like that just doesn't people lose me with that argument. So why not go get the very best quarterback, have Ryan Finley as a legit backup for the next three years to come? That's the perfect scenario. To me, I feel like that's why they drafted him. If the front office is thinking that Ryan Finley is gonna re redo what Dalton did, then they are like even crazier than what I thought. Right. I I agree with you there. Um, I think that your theory is true. I think that there's a lot of people who are Dalton enthusiasts that are simply pushing for Chase Young simply because they don't want a quarterback that's going to prove them wrong. And they right, do not. Right. That, that's really what it is. They're looking for any kind of way right. that would leave a crack open to Andy Dalton still remaining the quarterback. Right. And just wake up, people. That's that's not, a good like, question. Somebody asked me that, Ace, and I wanted to ask you that. If the if the Bengals were to re-sign Andy Dalton for extension, would you still be a Bengals fan? Oh my God, I'd still be a Bengals fan, but I would I would be pissed. I, would I be think pissed. I, I think I think I'd be done, bro. Like, I, and I love <laughs> the Bengals. Like, like I I thought about that a lot. I say that's maddening to me. Like that that I can't get behind that, bro. Like. You already like, but doesn't it feel a little weird? It feels yeah. a little weird to me. All right, let's. I'm sorry. We can go to the next topic. I just feel like it's so weird around him a little bit. Like I'm not hearing enough of. Yeah, we're moving on to like the draft from the Bengals. Like I want to hear the Bengals say that. I have and, heard that Zach apparently said that to Andy Dalton. That's what. Yeah, Dalton he said, said that to Dalton, Dalton, but they ain't come out with no statement and say and say like, hey, we're looking for it or. And Duke Tobin is not available during the season, which is stupid. I've never heard of it. Uh, it's just crazy to me. But they are going to blitz the heck out of uh, Ryan Finley. And, and 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 I want people to understand this. I want Ryan Finley to do well because I need to know that he's going to be ready to go. Say we have a 2015 coming, like a reincarnation of 2015 coming up. I want to know that Ryan Finley could step in and, and step in the shoes behind two or Burrow. Like I need to know that what he's got right now, and this—that's what the eight games represents to me. It doesn't represent a new hope or a quarterback in that guy. And right. and people were like, well, why wouldn't you want him to be the next guy? We dragged him. Like I just told you why. Like so, I'm not gonna go back over that. Right. Uh, so for me, I guess the next topic would be Carson Palmer. And Carson Palmer came out and was on a podcast himself uh, with some choice words for the Bengals front office. Things that we kind of already already know, but he feels that um, as a young quarterback, he was naive to thinking that the organization didn't matter and teams that don't make moves uh, in terms of free agency and teams that wait for certain players to fall to them in the draft versus trading up, uh, don't put quarterbacks in a good situation to have success. And he seemed to make it, he basically said that the Bengals put a lot of pressure on him or extra pressure uh, being that they wouldn't do anything, he would go to the front office and say, "Hey, we're pretty, we're pretty good this year. We just need a couple of pieces here and there. Go and get some of these guys, and nothing would happen." He was also critical of Duke Tobin. He kind of called Duke Tobin an idiot, um, saying that Duke Tobin doesn't know what he really is doing, for lack of a better word. Um, and he also kind of stated that. Uh, ownership in general does not prioritize winning. They really just prioritize, uh, you know, making money and just hoping and getting lucky enough 
to end up having a successful season and a championship. Uh, and he said that, you know, basically everyone told him when uh, he was going through the draft process not to go to Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a quarterback graveyard. Don't go there. Um, he thought that, you know, just being there as a player, he'd be able to change it. Uh, but he said he also said that the Bengals organization views eight and eight as like a Super Bowl. Uh, what are your thoughts on what Carson Palmer said? Why do you think that he's choosing to say them now? Is it because he's, uh, you know, trying to sympathize with Andy Dalton? Is it that he sees that the Bengals right now are, you know, picking number one in the draft? What do you think is is the logic behind it, and what do you think is the reason for it, and what do you think about what he said? First of all, what I think about what he said is I can't really argue. That's somebody that's inside the building that has the firsthand perspective, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a kind of, you know, he, he he could be bitter. It could be bad relationships throughout, um, the the front office that we don't, you know, even know all the intricacies and all the details too. But for the most part, from the outside looking in, it sounds about right. It sounds like they're not they're not upset based on the moves that I'm seeing them making. They feel it looks like they're trying to go eight and eight next year. Like I really think they're banking on that. I don't think they are. You know, I, I don't disagree with any of that stuff because I don't have the inside stuff on it. Um, but, but for the most part, I just feel like Carson Palmer, to me, although has the talent and everything that I would love to have, if I could redo it all over again, I'd, I'd draft him all over again. I just don't feel like just from even just those comments and his perspective on it and the way he handled himself he, uh, headed out of town is that he's not strong-minded enough me personally, those are my personal feelings, that he's just not strong-minded of a person. And he could have went through hell. I don't know what he went through, like with his family involved with the, the whole situation and everything like that. I just feel like the gamers, the real, real people, like they, they figure out strategic ways to get their ways out of town, and that's what he did. And um, What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And the guys that are really, really gamers, gamers just kind of play through it, like, you know, until they get to this point where they're just like, hey, I can't do anymore. My, the, I feel like the best running back of all time is Barry Sanders. Like, he just got to this point where he just couldn't do it anymore, and he didn't try to go play for another team. I feel like he gave everything he had. I don't feel like Carson Palmer gave everything he had. I think Carson Palmer is a really, really smart guy, and he put two and two together and said, yeah, I'm not going to play for that guy, those people anymore, and I don't blame him. A.J. Green should put two and two together and say, yeah, I'm not playing for the Cincinnati Bengals anymore, too. But he's just not. He's not wired up that way. And I tend, as a fan, I'm going to go towards a guy like an A.J. Green because I feel like even if I lose uh, being a Bengals fan, even if we lose games, you know, at least I got guys that I can identify with and they and they, and they share the same beliefs as me. And he. I feel like he's a gamer. Like you know, we didn't. We, I guess we'll talk about the AJ Green injury later. But that I just don't really have too much sympathy for Carson Palmer. 
I think, like, you get paid a lot of money. You get drafted to the team that you get drafted. Uh, for him to say that, I think is a little weak because somebody like Lamar Jackson, like when Lamar Jackson came to the Ravens, the, the you know, like he had the mindset of, like, I'm going to get this team a ring. And I don't think anything would change his mindset on that. If they put no one around him, I don't feel like they don't have enough around him now. I don't think they'll ever give him enough pieces around him. But I don't think he's going to be one of those guys that just say, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with sitting out. You know, Carson Palmer – like they got money. Like his family has money. They have huge investments in in uh in uh stuff out in um uh, Silicon Valley and all that stuff. He's a California boy. Like, you know, he just took, he took a smarter approach to it, I guess. But you know, it, it just that's not a Cincinnati. That's not a natty mindset to me. You know, like us Bengals fans, we identify with you know passion and heart. I think a Steelers fan, although I hate them, I think is more like a you know, hard hat type of town. Like, all these cities have their own identities. And, Cal- and, and Carson Palmer is just a California boy. He he wants his uh, tube socks with extra cotton. And the guys that I know, we just taking whatever. I might buy I might buy some socks from a dude, a crackhead at the at the uh, light today, if he got an eight-pack and they five dollars <laughs> <laughs> right. if, if he If he got some good socks and they look decent, I'm like, nah, I feel bad for him, you know, like, and I'm riding around in that, and somebody got some, you know, like, people just, with the passion, trying to better their lives and stuff, those are the people I identify with. Carson Palmer doesn't embody a Cincinnati Bengal to me. Right. That I'm glad you hit on all of that, man. Um, I have to tend to agree with you. Like like you said, we don't have an inside track on what's going on inside of those buildings. We've heard from agents. We've heard from a bunch of sources who have, you know, interacted with the Bengals. I've also heard from other sources in the past, agents, um, that have, or an agent at least, that has dealt with the Bengals, used to play for the Bengals, and had good things to say about them. So, uh, like Zim is saying, we never know the absolute truth. Um, I think what Carson was saying was right in terms of when you have uh, a window that you're in, such as 2015, 2013, 2005, 2009, that does seem to be a time where the Bengals have lacked when it comes to making that extra move or getting that extra guy to kind of push them over to the top. And I also kind of agree with him saying that sometimes they just wait uh, for certain guys to fall to them in the draft, and then they kind of punt if they don't get that guy, and then you end up with another guy. Uh, One example of that could be Billy Price. I really think that they wanted Frank Ragnow. Uh, They could have moved up to get him. They didn't. Um, and Devin then, Bush. And then that happened. Devin Bush, another one. Like, there's so many players uh, that you sit around and see, like, oh, this guy's going to be a bingo, and then they won't move on them. Um, so I do agree with that. I also agree with you saying from a personality standpoint, uh, Carson has never, to me, been accountable. In all of these interviews that I've heard from him in regards to the Bengals, nothing about it, it has to do with his play. Nothing is at him. Nothing is him taking any accountability, and I think as a leader, sure. um, that's very sure. that's very weak. You know, you know, yeah, you're the quarterback, yeah, you have to deal with a lot, uh, but you're expected to be a leader of the team. And you know, with all turmoil and stuff going on, I think when you look around the league, there are a bunch of quarterbacks that could complain, but they never really do. You talk about Aaron Rodgers; he's been in a similar situation uh, to uh, he's been in a similar front office situation at least. Um, in terms of the Packers, and not once has he really complained, and they just recently have started making moves. But uh, just as a leader, you just have to take accountability 
for yourself instead of just pointing fingers at people, uh, which I didn't like. I don't see how any of those trades or any of those moves that he made uh, stops him from throwing 20 interceptions in a season. So uh, that, for me, was my only issue with this. I would like to have seen him take some accountability rather than pointing fingers. And also another thing that I didn't enjoy while he was here was that he let Chad basically take all of the scrutiny for everything in Cincinnati. You know, he didn't mm-hmm. say anything. He didn't say anything um, for years For years after that Chad wasn't the issue. But during the time, you know, he said nothing. And the media piled on Chad. And everyone knows a wide receiver can only do so much, right? They can't – they don't have um, that much power to to make things happen on the stature of a quarterback. And, you know, for me, it just like – it just was like he kind of used Chad as the sacrificial lamb for the media and never um, took any of that accountability. So those are my thoughts on that. Uh, but I also agree with you shifting gears uh, to Chase Young. I also agree I don't think that it's going to hurt his draft stock. Uh, the Bengals drafted A.J. Green, and A.J. Green uh, that season had gotten suspended for some improper benefits uh, for four games as well. So I agree with you there. But that brings us to probably the number one topic, which is A.J. Green. I mean, obviously, A.J. Green now had a suffered a setback at practice with his ankle. He's out for this game, possibly out for the foreseeable future. Um, seems like he's somewhat getting frustrated um, just reading between the lines that if the Bengals really don't want him, then, you know, there's 31 other teams that will. And to me, I kind of feel like, why do you need to see that A.J. Green is healthy, right? Like, I understand that. Uh, but, you know, by the time that next season rolls around, I'm pretty sure that he's going to be healthy. And, I mean, it's A.J. Green. So, uh, for me, I think us just going 0-8, proves how valuable A.J. Green is. I don't think if A.J. Green is in there, I don't think we are 0-8 at this point. Uh, but, Zim, what are your thoughts on that, and uh, how do you feel about A.J.'s injury? Um, If you all don't know, I walk around with an A.J. Green jersey, <laughs> a diamond A.J. Green jersey. So I might not be the best guy to ask any A.J. Green. <laughs> so like, if, you ever you, see, if you ever see me, you know, like, I'm pretty much wearing my heart on my sleeve. I'm I'm AJ Green to the day I die. Like he, I mean, unless he like does something like really really bad. Like I don't know. I'm I'm just AJ Green to the to the wheels fall off. And um, I just feel as though like AJ Green is just making sure. I feel like last year and the years before he tried to come back too early, and now he's at this point where he's done with. Thinking, I mean, like, say they were a playoff contending team. I think A.J. Green will play this week, right? Right. But, but they're not. And, and it's not a Cordy Glenn. Somebody say, oh, he's pulling the Cordy Glenn. It's not a Cordy Glenn. That's somebody that just doesn't care and just wants to take a check, period. Cedric he was the same way. But I'm just saying A.J. Green is just, for the first time, I think it's saying, if I go out there and hurt myself, not only are the, the Bengals cheap, they're going to pigeonhole me and try to put me in some category that says that I can only get X amount of money with a franchise tag or I'm going to get lowballed by them because nobody else is going to have any value on me because I keep on getting hurt. So I need to just make sure that I'm 100%, no swelling. Normally on an ankle surgery or something, you're going to get swelling. I've had ankle surgery. like it, It's just part of it. But I think for the first time he's just saying, look, I, like what are we really playing for? We're still assessing Auden Tate area. We're still assessing these guys. Um, and at the end of the day, 
we want to get better, but I'm not going to jeopardize everything I got because if he gets hurt, the 18 to 20 million that I think he wants, because I thought he'd probably be around 17 with the whole entire discount. But when, once Dalton is off the thing, now more money is not going to be allocated to AJ Green because now he's got the leverage, and that's a whole other topic. But AJ Green is is taking control of the situation for once, and I think he's being very smart about it because if there's any dwelling, he gets hurt. His value, like I mean, he he'll probably be taking a one year if he wants to get that type of money. He'll take a one year with somebody like the Redskins or somebody that's got the cash, and then say he gets hurt again. You mean your your career could be over? So it's I mean not over, but you know like your last big contract. He's right. trying to get the contract that he wants, and he needs to be healthy. Will he play this year? I believe so, and I think he'll he just needs to play at least two to three games on tape to show I am AJ Green. I don't care Ryan three gives him the ball, just get open, have that on tape, be able to show other teams like, look, this is what I can do. I'm still the man. I need my three year contract. I need my four year contract to be the, the rest of the – and if the Bengals are smart, they're just paying what he's talking about. Like, he, they need to get that man a blank check at this point. Right. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. I'm also a huge A.J. Green fan. Um, my favorite bingo of all time by far. Uh, you know, just from – that that was like uh, a draft dream come true for me because I followed him and I was like, man, I – had been watching uh, so many highlights of players for years, and it was like, man, this is the best dude that I've seen based off college films since Calvin Johnson. Um, so for me, like, I totally agree with you in terms of A.J. Um, I think that the Bengals are really playing with fire here with the A.J. situation. Like, I mean, honestly, waiting until he's fully healthy is, is pretty stupid at this point. And stupid. I think that, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. It's very stupid, I, and I don't think that it's really about money with AJ. Like, I think what he seems to kind of be talking about vocally, and I have not heard this from my inside source uh, next to AJ or anything, but I'm just basing this off of the media. Uh, from what I, I've heard, it just seems that he wants a multi-year deal, and I don't understand why the Bengals would not want to give him a multi-year deal. I mean, it makes no sense for him to play under a one-year contract. This is a guy that's uh, stuck through you from thick and thin. Um, he's still here for you at 0-8. Um, even with um, the quarterback future being uncertain, he's still willing to sign up and stay here for multiple years. Like like them said, give the guy a blank contract, let him decide how long he wants to play, let him retire a bingo, and start to, start to change the narrative. Uh, between older players that played for the Bengals and how bitter things ended and, and start to have some guys that want to be here. And that's that's what I kind of tried to hit on uh, when me and Zim kind of debated about Geno and Dunlap. It's like you hear the guys like Carson Palmer come out, and that just was so much of a reminder of our former players and, like, how they trash us, like, in the media, like, just based on how things are going. If you got a guy like A.J. Green that's putting his neck out for you that wants to be a Bengal, get the deal done. Like, what is there really to think about, honestly? Like, it's not like they're – playing, They're playing, like you said, they're just playing with fire. And, it, and it's stupid because at the end of the day, I mean, if he walks, you're going to be looking at it like Whitworth. And, and, and it's, so, it's so crazy. 18 to 20 million is probably what he wants, and it's probably a little overpaying right now. But next year, when the when the when the, the new the new contracts, I forgot who they got coming up. When those guys get paid, they get close to 26, 28. It's gonna look like pennies, bro. 
It's so silly that they're doing this all over again. And the crazy thing is, and that's why I say it can't be about money, because AJ says that he doesn't want to get franchised. Like, he doesn't want to get the $20 million or whatever kind of tag he would have to get next year. So stop playing this stupid game and just give the man what he's owed. Like, majority of your net revenue that you're earning right now is probably all based off of AJ Green. So just do the man a solid and please. Just make sure he's there because if you move on from AJ Green, oh my goodness! If you thought Let, the fan base was upset now and things were bad now, do that and see what happens to not only the locker room but your fan base as well. The Bengals front office pretty much played their hand when they benched Dalton. It's like now they're saying, okay, AJ Green is going to be the guy that's going to lead us into the next uh, realm of this whole thing. If they think that they're going to go into this thing and get a rookie quarterback coming out and they don't have any leadership at all on the it, – it, 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 I'm, I'm beating a dead horse. Let, for our final topic today, I want to ask Ace, is there anything that you'll be looking at? Um, I hint on it a little bit as far as the Ravens game we got coming up this Sunday, is that I think from a, a defensive standpoint, for Ryan Finley's first test, he will be going up against a defense that blitzes like crazy. I've seen some plays where they have two defense alignments uh, at the at – the, uh, the line and everybody else just standing up and it and this guy bring I forgot their coordinator's name but he brings the heat he's going to be blitzing uh over 55 percent of the time and that's more than any other team in the NFL um I'm very interested to see how is Ryan Finley I guess all eyes will be on him I'm also all Cordy Glenn was a full participant in practice um all this week as well so no word if he's starting if he's playing or what but I also want to know, is there anyone that else that you'd be looking for or any notes that you have for the Ravens game in a final prediction? Uh, yeah, Ravens game. I'm looking to see what Ryan Finley does. I'm um, also looking to see um, how the defense plays with guys like Carl Lawson and Carlos Dunlap back. I think that that um, will help them against the Ravens. I, I still feel like their Achilles heel is Lamar Jackson, and I think that they really struggled um, with the strategy that they used. Like, that strategy needs to get thrown away unless they really want to tank. Playing man defense and having Geno basically jog in front of a guard and wait to see whether or not Lamar is going to take off is not the answer. Um, so that really, uh, for me, is one of the indications to me that, that we'll probably lose this game. Also, Hollywood Brown, I see him giving us some issues there. Uh, but I look for Auden Tate to kind of be a standout this game, being that him and Ryan Finley uh, played well together in the preseason. Tyler Boyd, I, I hope that he doesn't get shut down in this game. I'd like to see some more from my boy Tyler Boyd. Uh, outside of that, um, not much for me to really see uh, in terms of the defense. I do want to see, like you said, Cordy Glenn uh, back in the fold. I think that the line will actually play a lot better. Uh, interesting that he's deciding to also make his debut after Andy Dalton was benched, but I think at this point it really wasn't a choice for him uh, whether he plays or not. Um, so I'd like to see that. Uh, and then I think in terms of a score prediction, I'm going to go with uh, the Ravens. I'm, I'm going to say – 34 to 20 Ravens. Uh, I think that the Ravens are going to take it. That's my prediction. Zim, you have a prediction for the game? I'm going to go 27 to 9. Okay, cool. So those are yeah, our if, if, you, if you remember the first uh, game, the Brian Wilson 
Bengals have pretty much at this point scored 10 points a game. If it wasn't for, uh, I said Brian Wilson, Brandon Wilson kickoff return, they wouldn't have scored the 17 in that game. And, that, and somebody said, well, we only lost by six. Yeah, you only lost by six because you had a special teams re- uh, return. Aside from that, I just I just think it's going to be – it's a tall task for a rookie. Anybody, their first start going up against that defense, the way that the blitzes and the exotic pressure is going to come. One guy that I am eating crow on that I I absolutely slept on was uh, uh, the cornerback Humphrey coming out of college. I had a very low grade on him. I thought he I thought he like a lot of people wanted us to draft him. I was like, there's no way I'd take him early on. I was like, man, watch AJ Green kill this guy. This guy's held his own. They had him in the slot earlier in the year. I think they've been putting him more on the outside now. But he's absolutely a Pro Bowler at this point, though. The plays that he's making every week, I mean. The, the kid is going, he's balling out. So that's one guy I just don't think there's uh, anybody from a wide receiver position if he gets lined up with him. Then you got Earl Thomas back there. It's just, it that's not a good matchup for this, not for these right. young Bengals, not these guys right here. Right. I think the only hope is is that Tyler Eifert can, can provide somewhat of a safety blanket uh, for Philly. But outside of that, I'm <laughs> not really seeing much there. So, uh, in retrospect, we thank you guys for joining the Orange is the New Black podcast. Uh, appreciate the comments. Um, definitely keep sending them our way. That makes our day. I love uh, the tweets and, and the love that we get. Um, so, I appreciate that. Be sure to subscribe um, so that you get all of our content immediately as soon as it's released. Uh, we're going to try to keep these shows coming um, Mondays and Thursdays. Obviously, today is Friday, so if we ever have to reschedule, um, expect it to come the following day that we normally release. And so I have gotten a lot of questions on, hey, when do you guys drop? So I'll be sure to make sure I make a point of saying that more. Uh, but this has been the Orange is the New Black podcast. We are out. Who day? What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.